Welcome to Ladies Get Action, the podcast where two best friends talk about getting action movies. I'm Rebecca Ringley. This is Rin Olson. This week, we watched In the Line of Fire. That's right. Uh, it's from 1992, starring Clint Eastwood and a little bit of Dylan McDermott and a whole bunch of other white men. And Renee Russo, who I love. Remind me what other movie she was in? Lethal Weapon 3. I love Lethal Weapon. We got to get to those. But before we get into this film, how has your week been? How are you doing? I am doing pretty well. I'm reporting from a very chilly Oregon. <laughs> uh, the temperatures dropped here. And, you know, I grew up in Alaska and I, I really thought I was prepared for winter. And I just don't know if I'm a winter girl anymore. Like I said before, I think it's good to to shed the the skin of being a winter girl and a cool girl and all the other identities that we're shifting going into the new year because I hate winter too. And it's it's cold in New York, not nearly as cold as it is where you are, but I don't I'm, like it. I'm so cold. I'm like sitting mm-hmm. in this um, above the garage, like wrapped in a blanket with warm socks on. I'm very chilly. No, I'd like to be hot all the time. Mm, I'd like to be temperate, but I do have to admit it was a beautiful day today. And like the, the scenery in Oregon is absolutely gorgeous. And like the mountains are amazing. So yeah, that's how my week has been. What else to report? That's it. How's your week going? (laughs) It's going good. It's been a lot of work stuff. I went to a party for CSA. Oh yeah. Congratulations, by the way. (laughs) Thank you. I got into the Casting Society of America last week. And so the timing couldn't have been better because they had a Christmas party right after I got added. So I went to that and it was really fun. I think I was the only person in Unscripted there, but there are a lot of people who are really nice and I got to talk to and I made a little friend. I uh, I made friends with this one lady who just moved here from LA. She doesn't know anybody. She was so sweet and nice. And I think we're going to hang out after the new year sometime. Oh, that's awesome. And, yeah. you know, yay for unscripted representation at CSA. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was a nice little time. And that was just a couple of days ago. And now I'm back to work and getting ready for the holidays. Is all, Do you yeah. have your Christmas shopping done? I did a little Christmas shopping today for some family members. Mm-hmm. A lot of my Christmas gifts this year are experiences. Oh, fun. It's basically like a gift certificate, but it's going to be... I really like gifting experiences just because I think those are, because I, that's what I like to do too. Yeah. What are some of the experiences? Can you spell? Well, one is a Manny and Petty. Very good. Another is like a style, style sort. A what? A style sort kind of. Um, So basically I found this blog post and I don't remember where it is, but I'll link to it in the notes um, where the person explains how to like use Pinterest to kind of like figure out what you want your wardrobe to be and it's like basically like making a mood board Mm -hmm. it's like you pin a bunch of things and then you look for kind of common themes Mm -hmm. and then you edit it down and then you can kind of curate your wardrobe from that okay and so is is this like an online consultation with someone who does this kind of I'm gonna attempt to do it for one of my family members if they want (laughs) oh this is a service you're providing yes yes based on (laughs) um what I learned from this blog post okay (laughs) um I was listening to an episode of uh, how this get made like one of their mini episodes and they were talking about not not this is not a terrible gift but they're talking about terrible gifts that people had received and Uh one of them had received uh, a gift certificate for teeth whitening from her mother oh wow (laughs) which is so mean 
Um, so I wonder if I would hope there's a delicate way to give this gift. That's not like your style is shit. Let me help you as a gift to you. I will provide better style advice. No, no, no. This comes, I'm like, I'm, this is for my mom and I'm going to double check with her. Like is if this is something you would like, but she has asked me before to like help me style her closet. So it's not like, oh my God, mom, mom, look at this. And I think my mom (laughs) does have pretty good style, but like if she wants some help, I think it's a cool way to kind of like self curate your closet. So I won't like, I'm not going to be doing it for her. I'll be like showing her this process. I also got her some other things too. Yes. Yeah. Am I like a terrible daughter? Am I a terrible person? Is this a bad gift? I don't know. It depends on how she takes it. To be fair, I do have a few other things like in my back pocket for her. (laughs) (laughs) When I was little, um, I'd ask my dad, like, what we should get my mom for Christmas when they were still together or for Hanukkah, whatever. Um, and she, he would say we should get her cookbooks because she likes to cook. And as a little girl, I was like, no, like, we can't because that's so mean. It's like she doesn't know how to cook and we're giving her something that's going to teach her how to cook because they're saying her food is bad. <laughs> no. Maybe that's the mindset it's coming from. <laughs> Maybe. I, I mean, I generally think I'm a good gift giver. So You are a great gift giver. You give me beautiful gifts. There's just something funny about my gift to you is a service where I tell you what clothes are good and bad. No, no. It's like you get, I'll show you how to like decide for yourself. That's right. Maybe I should just get her a style consultation with somebody else. Maybe I should just skip this whole thing altogether. I'm going to get her, (laughs) I'll get her socks. There you go. (laughs) The most stylish socks though. Warm socks. Oh, that's true. No. She said no room for style, only warmth. Yeah. Um, is all your gift giving complete? I don't know. It never feels complete. And I always want to like make people real, really feel special and like thought of when I give gifts. So I don't know. I feel like I'm not done. Well, as long as you don't get them like style consultations, I'm sure you're fine. <laughs> or teeth whitening. That would be so mean. Yeah. It's funny because my parents very sweetly are the type to be like, you being home for Christmas is our gift. Right. It's like, but you would also like a gift. I know that. Yeah. I feel like it's a gesture, even if it's not like, it doesn't need to be like financial or material. I think the gesture is nice. But yeah, no, no one's ever said that to me. <laughs> you being home was <laughs> the gift. Maybe I'm a little terror at the holidays. Who knows? What was the name of your children's book? Oh, Rebecca and the Tomorrow Treat. One of the series will be... Rebecca, the terror of the holidays. Wait, how do we make it like rhyming though? Or like alliterative? What do you mean? Like alliterative. Like Rebecca and the Christmas crazies or like Rebecca and the... Oh, yeah, there you go. Rebecca and the traditional terrors. I don't know. I don't believe you're a terror though. I'm probably not, but... Well... Not not everyone gets me. For my birthday, having you be in the same city would be a great gift. Oh, that would be so fun. Yes. Well, we will be. I know. (laughs) That'll be great. All right. Should we get into this movie? Let's get into it. How did you feel about it, watching it? So number one, I don't know if this is an action movie. Number two, I didn't like it. I didn't really like it that much. I mean, parts of it were very interesting to me. Parts that I enjoyed, parts that I thought were interesting. Overall, I was confused why this movie is like critically acclaimed because I know it is. I was really confused because I thought Clint Eastwood's character was deplorable. What did you think overall? Oh, God, this movie was terrible. I have a litany of complaints, starting with it was boring. (laughs) It was boring. Um, (laughs) I did not understand why 
Clint Eastwood's character would was like Harold is such a hero or like why we should care about him I didn't get and you know how I feel about age differences in movies oh I I wrote that down I'm like Rin's gonna have a big problem I have a giant problem also I just didn't understand why she was into him he was awful and he was gross and he kept giving these stupid monologues oh of, yeah like, he was a huge misogynist the entire time he was rude to her and teasing and insulting oh no it never made any sense why she was supposedly into him it just felt like like this whole like ego thing yeah also so i have a few more things yeah um, and then i have a lot of questions but i don't think clint eastwood is a very good actor john malkovich was like wiping the floor with him john malkovich was that was great he was fantastic yeah he was was very good he was like in Uh a different movie to me like he was in like a really exciting movie that i was interested in same also how dare they do this to renee russo like she's basically playing the same character that she plays in lethal weapon 3 but Mm -hmm. in that movie she's so like she gets to have fun and be engaging have chemistry with an age-appropriate like guy and in this movie she's nothing to do she's like a i i honestly also thought which made there some parts of the movie before i realized it wasn't gonna happen i thought she was his daughter (laughs) that would have been more appropriate I thought she was his daughter that he had walked away from. Yeah, I have a lot of questions too. So just to recap real quick, because Rebecca and I are going to sort of jump around a little bit. Um, This movie is about an aging Secret Service guy played by Clint Eastwood who failed to protect JFK when he was assassinated and now discovers that like there's a new plot against president and he has to sort of battle his own feelings and like abilities to try and save this man while also juggling like a new romance and a cat and mouse game with the, uh, with John Malkovich who is playing a game just to play it right um, he's bored yeah he's bored well guess what so was i <laughs> I know when he's like, you know, when he gives that speech about being bored, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it. <laughs> but yeah, that's exactly right. That's what this movie is about. It is about the ego and regrets, but also strength and honor of an aging old white man who's really sexist. Yeah. And really like at some point I, I kept calling him baby D because it was baby Dylan McDermott. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, baby d is like i am having nightmares and i want to go hug my wife and kid and i want to like not be in this line of work and clint eastwood is like suck it up you know yeah be a man basically like go yeah go hug your wife and kids that's fine yeah and then he gets killed for it i know i kind of knew he was toast the minute he said he had a wife and kid right just like that um truck driver in empire state oh yeah yeah 100 (laughs) percent yeah what a strange movie i really don't understand how it's so critically acclaimed i don't either because like we were mentioning earlier in like another episode the thing that we were excited about this movie and i particularly was was that it was like about the president and like patriotism and there was nothing in this movie that made me feel like i was excited about this president i didn't even understand why i should be Oh, no, this was not a movie about the president. We thought it would be. It's not at all a movie about the president or like the presidency or our government or our American values. This is just a movie about like an old guy going back to work and trying to like justify why he's still at work. Trying to prove his virility, basically. Yeah, you're right. That's exactly it. Which kind of feels like, again, I haven't seen Dirty Harry or any of like the young Clint Eastwood movies, 
but that kind of feels like every single Clint Eastwood movie. Yeah. Well, I was also shocked. And this is a rude question, but I'll ask you. This was in 1992. How was Clint Eastwood this old then too? I I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand it. I had the same thought. I mean, he was super in shape. Like he looked very fit, but like. It didn't make any uh, sense. Like he's an elderly man in this movie too. It just feels like he's always been an elderly man then. But I didn't understand the opening scene where they're like working with counterfeiters undercover. I think that was supposed to be like our hero moment where we see that Clint Eastwood has like got the the every scene under control. Right. That he's good at his job and that he like can read people and knows the right time to like bluff and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what it really showed to me was that he was totally cavalier about like playing mm-hmm. fast and loose with his partner's life. Totally. And this isn't a movie that cares about that. Like, like Lethal Weapon, for instance, which we will get to, is a movie that cares a lot about like you're too reckless with your job and you're endangering the other people's lives. Like yeah. you're endangering your life, but everyone else's. And this movie doesn't really care about that. No, I mean, this movie cares about making sure this elderly man gets his due, basically. Right, that everyone like, respects they- him at the end and applauds him and says, you are... Like you said, like you are virile, you are still strong enough and cool enough and good enough to take down the bad guy and jump in front of a bullet and all this stuff. Yeah. And they go to great lengths to really like not respect him. Like the chief of staff is doing everything he can to like get this man out of his sight. Understandable. He's really annoying. And he's bad at his job. I mean, kind of. I don't know. I guess he's fine. But like and the whole thing, like he's a piano player. Oh, that was stupid. Also, he used to be an alcoholic, but he still drinks. Right. Yeah. Good catch. (laughs) That was weird. One of the things I thought was really interesting is that they made such, and it makes sense for like 92 or 93, but they made such a big deal about JFK being assassinated. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's sort of like the thing with like Princess Di dying, where there's a lot of stories coming up right now. Yeah. But because it was for me so in my like in my brain so long ago I was like okay this isn't really you know I know a real big emotional point <laughs> I feel like for a 90s audience though it was what was the movie with Will Smith set in DC I'm like yeah. I always forget the name enemy of the state this movie reminded me a lot of that one but that one is so much better <laughs> I know I really enjoyed enemy of the state just didn't really feel like it had any stakes like and I didn't also I didn't get John Malkovich's plan I until the very, very end I was so confused about John Malkovich and I was very confused by his different looks. And maybe I missed something, but it's like we see him sneaking around, you know, his little like binoculars and stuff and being a little creepy boy. And then we see him go to the bank with that woman. And that was a very scary scene. I thought he's he's fantastic. I love that scene at the bank. John Malkovich was like the shining light of terror in this movie. He's a really scary villain. He knows how to be menacing, but also we know what he's willing to do. Mm-hmm. And so it makes it even scarier when he's like, he's also, I've got, I've got a thing about voices right now. And like something about his voice is just like so intriguing and also scary because it's like just very calm and soft-spoken. Yeah. He doesn't need, you know, so he doesn't need to be like really aggressive or like scary with a capital S. He just is. And the voice makes it worse. You're right. There's something very unsettling about his voice. But in that bank scene, he is balding the way we see him later and dressed nicely. Then in a a scene very soon after, he has very long, yucky hair. Was that a wig? Yes. Yeah, that was a wig. Okay. I didn't get that. 
so he used to be CIA and yeah. because he was an assassin, I guess he like trained to like blend it anywhere. And so he was using all these different disguises to, cause we see him putting on a wig, like last scene in the movie. Well, I, yeah. I, I caught that part, the wig and the yeah. nose they took off, but I didn't know if the long stringy hair was also his. And then I was like, wait, are there two men? I was confused. I understood that he was just doing all these disguises to get close to Clint Eastwood. That makes sense. Well, let's talk about Clint Eastwood and his relationship. The most age inappropriate relationship we've seen in a while. I don't believe that she was into him. How could she be? He starts off with her secretaries get prettier and prettier over here. And she's an agent and he knows that. And then he also says like very offhandedly, you know, I'm a borderline burnout with questionable social skills. Like, as if that's like a medal of honor, like we shall be like, wow, that's hot, you know? Right. Well, then he offers to buy her an ice cream. He says, which... you you're, you look good enough to eat. Yeah. Ew. That was gross too. Oh, the scene, the scene with the ice cream I thought was really horrific actually, where he's like, huh, how many female agents are there? And she says like, there's like a hundred or something. He's like, oh yeah, you're just window dressing. You're just here to like make the feminists happy. And then she still flirts with him after that. Right. I just thought that was so disgusting because why would she like, why would she ever in any other world, this woman would be like, actually, I worked very hard to get here. Like, I'm not just like set dressing because of my gender, but instead she's like, <laughs> and like moves right on. Yeah. I thought that was like incomprehensible. And then, yeah, muttering to himself, like, she's walking away in that moment. I'm like, Oh, is this supposed to be like a rom-com? Like, are we supposed to like be rooting for them to get together? And is, why is the romance such a big part of this? I didn't understand that either. I think it's a really good question because yeah, I agree with you on all these points that like, she would never, like she would never be into him. She would never tolerate that sort of like harassment, basically. Yeah, and you also, know, he was harassing her at work. Yeah. Constantly. And also like, yeah, there is, the movie gives me no reason to root for them. No. I mean, if anything, what, we're supposed to root for her to be with this guy who like openly insults her because she's a woman doing the same job as him. Doing it better at this point. Yeah, really awful. And then she like later on, like puts her own job on the line to defend him. That made me really upset. Yeah. yeah. Like, why is she calling and yelling at this guy? I don't know. My only answer is that this movie was made for men of Clint Eastwood's age. And so they're like, yeah, we're into it. That is how we treat a woman. That is how a woman would be into us. Like, this is a male fantasy. Right. Well, if she's a cool girl, she'll get it. And then she'll like laugh along. And she's not one of those girls. She's like, like one of the guys, you know, but like when you want to fuck. Right. Totally. She's not one of those feminists. Right. She wouldn't be insulted if I tell her, you know, she's worth nothing. Yeah. But she still looks good. I just thought it was so vile. And it goes throughout the whole movie. He's so, like, objectifying to her. Yeah, it's so gross. Ugh. So I really, yeah, I really thought that she was going to be his daughter. Like a surprise, you're I'm... my daughter and I've been hitting on you? <laughs> well, the minute, like, they started, you know, the minute he he started muttering to himself and she turns around, I was like, oh, no, that's not his daughter. <laughs> It would have been but, funny if it was a surprise, but also gross because they have sex or they almost do, but they definitely do later. Yeah. I just thought it was a real waste of her character too. I mean, she's kind of doing things in the movie, but like mostly she's there to prop him up and to right. like showcase what a, what a great guy he is. And yeah. And to give him excuses to like flirt and be like, quote unquote, charming, but I don't find any of that charming. I know. I was also going to say like, he's not good at flirting either. No, no, he's like <laughs> nagging her constantly. But you're right. It's okay. She's a cool girl. 
Right. She's one of the guys. Like she gets it. It's fine for him to yeah. objectify her and like neg her at work and like hit on her openly. Blah. This kind of ties into this because one of or a lot of my notes were that like so much of this movie, including like these relationships, um, depends on a world that is that no longer exists. Ooh, you know, you like so John Malkovich like uses pay phones all the time to like kind of track or you know to communicate with um Clint Eastwood, the tracking system they're using. Um, even the security aspect would be completely different. Yeah. Like, it just, or like how they can trace who John Malkovich actually is. So one of the first early scenes of the movie, they um they find out where he, his apartment is and there is like a... A murder board. <laughs> Basically, yeah, there's a very nice murder board highlighting that this is our villain. But in that murder board is a, a specific like model building Oh yeah, like a, and it was like a car magazine right it was like a special car magazine and they're able to track that to a very specific location in california and from there they can kind of get him that was such um, a boring part of this movie by the way oh I yeah was so bored by that where they're going to the car guy and then they're going to the other car guy and the car guy is like yeah i know him that's it this movie felt like it wanted to be three movies whatever boring political thriller it was um kind of like a criminal minds law and order movie which we get at the end, sort of in the middle to the end, and like this horrible rom com. How much money do we think John Malkovich has? Because he seemingly seemingly has apartments and storage units like in every city. I assumed he was forging all of those checks because he killed. I mean, that's because that's like why he killed the lady and her roommate. He left the dog alive. No, I don't think that's why he killed them. He killed them because he slipped up about Michigan. Oh, okay. He killed her. No, no, because he, he says to her, like, did you tell anyone at the bank that I'm not from Michigan? And then he kills her because they get scared. Right. Oh, yeah. Because Clint Eastwood says at one point, like, look for a trail of bodies or like weird deaths. Right. No, he killed them because they, he slipped up and didn't know the name, yeah. like the name of the high school. Yeah. Okay. And I then don't know. Maybe his CIA days yeah. give him a bunch of funds. I don't know. He was laid off. So it seems like that was a while ago. I don't know. He just has like apartments, like lots of cities, like is receiving mail, lots of places. And then I did figure out why he was donating the money. So I'm like, why is he donating so much money? Like, oh, it's all to get to that dinner. Yeah. It took Clint Eastwood such a long time to figure that out, though. Yeah. Yeah, You think he's just looking at donations, but. And again, it sort of felt like happenstance that he figured it out anyway. I didn't understand how he identified the name at the end. He went to the bank. Oh, it was the name of the per- that John Malkovich opened the account in. Yeah. That must be it. And he figured out the bank because of the name that was under the, the bed in like a perfect little little uh, piece of paper that our villain just leaves there to be found, written in code. Like if it was, if it was like really something he forgot, like wouldn't it just be written like the name of the bank? I kind of thought that he had done that on purpose because in the scene prior, he was like, Oh, I'm not going to give you the name, like I'll or like I'll give you the name, but I'm not going to lay it out for you. So I thought well, maybe he left that's that on, it. Yeah, yeah, on purpose for him. That must have been part of the cat and mouse game then. Most boring cat and mouse game. Well, it was largely boring because I didn't want Clint Eastwood to win. Like I didn't really want the president to die, but I was also like not really rooting for him. I mean, one of the things that like both Air Force One, Independence Day. Both of those movies, and I think another one that I can't name off the top of my head, but both of those movies do really well is establish that the president is a good man and we should root for him. And that makes it a lot easier 
to go along with the story in both of those when mm-hmm. we believe that like this is a man that people should be risking their lives for whereas right. this man i didn't i didn't care about him he kind of felt a little either. sketched to me oh yeah no he seemed like shallow and we weren't we got very little of him and nothing to root for there so you're right no it, it is difficult to like feel like Clint Eastwood should give his life for this president when this president is kind of lame but I think we're supposed to get invested in the idea that Clint Eastwood would give his life for the office of the president but still you're right though like in this film it would have been much more compelling if the president was someone worth rooting for even if we saw Mm -hmm. the same amount of the president but he seemed like magnanimous or like a good person in those moments yeah or even like he has to pass this bill and it's really troublesome. I mean, they made a point of highlighting abortion rights. Yeah. Both pro and like against at several rallies. And so it would have been great if. Yeah, I didn't. That. I know. I didn't get if he was a Republican or a Democrat or if he was for or against abortion rights. It was very confusing. This movie sort of feels like it wants to appeal to everybody. Like it yeah. wants to get the the old white men who are like, yeah, those feminists don't know what they're talking about. They're just a bunch of airheads and like screw abortion rights. But also the feminists who are like abortion rights and would be rooting for Rene Rousseau. I guess. I don't think this movie is interested in that, actually. I think they're only interested yeah. in old white men. Yeah, I don't think that this movie is for women at all. Except for the cool ones who get it and won't complain when they're being sexually harassed at work because it's fun. It's actually right. just fun. We're all, all the women are wrong. It's actually just very fun. Ugh. Oh, and then that scene where he's like really sick at work. <laughs> it's just one of those. Uh, yeah. What movie was that where, where the guy goes to work really sick and he has that virus? Mission Impossible. That's right. We're like, how is he going to work so sick? But, you know, that's the way it used to be. And then I thought for a second that maybe uh, Booth, John Malkovich's character, made him sick somehow. I did too. Yeah. Because the way he like at the the one rally was like spiraling out and the camera was spinning around him sort of seemed like maybe something made him sick yeah i thought he had gotten like uh like john malkovich had passed him a cup like of water or something when you come back we'll buy you an ice cream cone we'll be right back with in the line of fire and we're back rebecca i have just written yuck 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 be professional clint i wrote why is clint so invasive yucko why would you find this charming yeah, but it's so weird. He's trying to seduce this female agent. He's so old. Oh, and then he followed, all right, the way he followed her into the elevator and then kissed her, I thought was really creepy. Oh, I agree. Yeah. And then he <sighs> followed her into her room. Yeah, she wasn't like, come, like, come on. I mean, she also didn't close the door, but it was weird. Yeah. This has really shifted my opinion of Clint Eastwood. Not that, like, I had a, a super strong one to begin with. Like, I knew, again, he was in Dirty Harry, and people love those movies, and maybe some, like, other cop stuff, but maybe his movies have just always been like this, where I, I like, know. hate the male lead. I think he's always been, like, this symbol of, um, like, old-school traditional masculinity, and that's why mm-hmm. he was asked to speak at the RNC a couple of years ago. Remember, he did that speech to, like, an empty chair. Oh, right. There's a line towards the end that's where somebody says to Clint Eastwood, you're too old for this shit, and that felt like a direct... Uh, lethal weapon reference and it is a direct lethal weapon reference it is a much better film right how dare you reference this film that is so much better and so much more engaging and act like you're trying to be clever and like make this moody political thriller i'm disgruntled about this movie rebecca i am too i'm sad about it 
What a bummer. Let's talk a little bit more about John Malkovich. Where does yeah. he rank on our scale of villains? He's very scary. You know, the scene with, um, I didn't like this movie, but the scene where John Malkovich is like holding on to Clint Eastwood's hands, a la Scar and Mufasa and the Lion King, <laughs> I thought was very high stakes. Um, especially when Clint Eastwood's like has the choice between killing him, but also he'll die or not killing him. I don't know. Just like hoping that he save that this man saves him, who he, which he does. So I thought, no, I thought he was interesting and scary. The scene where he lost his temper, I thought was really great on the phone. I thought he was menacing. I really liked him as a villain. What'd you think? I think he's fantastic as a villain. I think, he, I mean, yeah, John Malkovich is a fantastic actor. And he knows how to create this character who is really engaging. And you're kind of like, I wasn't rooting for him, but I definitely wanted to know more about about him. And I wanted, yeah, he was very scary. Also because like our other favorite villains, like the scene where he shoots the two men is really great. So basically John Malkovich is sitting and Oh, that scene was so good. So John Malkovich is sitting He's like made this gun out of balsa wood, basically, or like some sort of recycling thing. No, so it's plastic. That way it won't go off in the metal detector. Oh, right. Yeah. So he's made this plastic gun and he's testing it on a sailboat. And these two men who have been hunting and these big rifles come up and they're like, oh, that's so cool. Can we try it? And they shoot a duck with it. I wrote it down because I really liked that scene. So basically the men are like kind of teasing him about the gun too they're like saying it looks cool but like they're holding giant guns and so they test it out killing a duck and then they give it back to him they're like oh can we buy it from you and he said no i need to use it to kill the president and they're like oh that's like silly and funny of you and then he shoots them and then he says like um they say why do you want to kill the president and then he shoots them and says like why'd you kill that duck but just the stakes and or like the the fact that he does it you know without kind of a, a- single qualm is like really scary i'd like to think he killed them because they killed that duck yeah like his own twisted logic yeah like his own like honor or whatever uh because he killed something living um i mean he didn't kill that dog actually no he didn't so maybe he He killed the honors yeah maybe he cares more about animals though but yeah i thought that was a great scene with those guys it was very spooky just like the scene in the bank was very like heightened and spooky so i have an idea of how i would have improved this movie okay If it is going to be about Clint Eastwood in his 60s, which is fine. I'm not trying to be like ageist or anything like that. I would make it about, I mean, I would take the whole Rene Russo thing out. Um, I would make it about a man, and the movie tries to do this, but because there's this romance in it, it feels really Mm -hmm. gross and weird. Um, I would make it more about a man coming to terms with like regrets he has while being faced with a villain I don't know. They didn't feel like they were actually matched. There wasn't enough established that they were the same person. And yeah. so I would have, the villain would have needed to have been him on the other side of like the coin, basically. Yeah, I agree. I would have liked the villain to be someone from his past too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I agree. They were too loosely connected. Um, the villain was like a fan of his, I guess, kind of. I guess. Um, I also, I mean, I know he says the answer is boredom, but I wonder if that's a good enough reason for him to want to kill the president. I mean, I guess it's like a a hard task, you know, if you're like looking for a challenge. What do you think of that, of his motivation? 
In some ways it makes sense, but I think it would make more sense if we got more of his backstory sooner, like that he was CIA or, you know, I mean, it just sort of feels like he was like, yeah, I think I'm going to kill the president. Mm-hmm. Like, was he obsessed with JFK? Oh, was he, he was. No, he was CIA. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. But if we had learned that sooner and learned that, like, oh. I don't know, there's a reason why he felt like he should. Yeah. I agree. It was strange. Like, yes, boredom is kind is is engaging and it's interesting and scary to have somebody who's like, yeah, I'm bored. So I'll just like plan this murder thing. But it still feels out of the blue. Yeah. It still feels like too random to go to all this trouble with like, you know, a fake nose that he puts on and different hairstyles and like $50,000 that he donates to this president. This also kind of reminded me of Speed. But in Speed, we had the superior villain because it was this villain who had been wronged. Right. We had the backstory that the bomb the bomb guy was a bomb guy for the military and had been like wronged in this a very similar way. But he wasn't going for the president. So it made sense that he wanted to fuck up, fuck things up in a way that'd be devastating, but also they could get out from. This yeah. is a suicide mission for Booth. This was like, like he talks about JFK, like, Loving that. I think it was an Emily Dickinson poem. Like, I have a rendezvous with death. He also has a death wish. He also, like, knows and talks about, you know, I'm going to kill the president and go down doing it. Yeah, I just didn't get why he thought it was noble or why he thought it was cool, basically. <laughs> well, he kept trying to make, and I agree, I don't I don't think it's there, but he kept trying to make the comparison between himself and Clint Eastwood that both of them would give their lives for the president. Yeah, it just feels boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could see how like in a, like a writer's room or something, someone would go like, oh, wow, that's like meaningful. They both would give their lives to the present in different ways. But ultimately it feels like flimsy to me. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Like that commonality feels like a technicality. Or something that works really well, maybe in a novel where you can go into the interior world of, of characters much better. And sometimes that translates well to the screen, but here it does not. I don't want to go into Clint Eastwood's mind. It's disgusting in there. (laughs) Like, yeah, the horrible things he thinks about women. Like, I don't want to go anywhere near it. (laughs) I think we got enough as it is. Yeah, actually, I agree with you. (laughs) I could do with less interiority from Clint Eastwood's character. I also feel like he moved on really easily from his partner getting murdered. Yeah, I just found a note that says, let him quit. Larry will kill him. Referring to baby Dylan McDermott. And it's true. 100% yeah I'm like oh Dylan wanted to quit so Clint must feel guilty and now he's drinking again which doesn't become a plot point it's just like oh it's fine to drink again after you've been an alcoholic it's fine oh yeah and then Clint Eastwood has a very Clint Eastwood line where he's like I'll be thinking about that when I'm pissing on your grave oh that's where I wrote I don't think Clint Eastwood is a good actor but maybe that's a script thing also I mean Clint Eastwood is like a bad secret agent because when the villain is sitting right next to him when he like goes to whisper to the chairman guy and John Malkovich is right there and then speaks so you can hear his voice and he doesn't register oh wait that's the guy from all the weird phone calls I'm getting John Malkovich is also staring him down like willing him to recognize him I know like he's just not good at his job and he beats up a bellboy that was really bad well, it's like that earlier scene when he busts into that couple's house. Yeah. And it's like, not the right couple. And there's no the right consequences no- for that. Or for nope. this, even though there's TV cameras. I mean, they do try and fire him. Like, that is, that is when the 
chief of staff and president are like this order or, you know these orders come from the president that was embarrassing but the firing never sticks no it never does for these men no he just comes right back there's no consequences and then when he comes back and they're like why are you back but okay go ahead right it's not like they're they're suddenly like oh my god there is a giant threat we need every single person on this team it's sort of just like all right you know so at what point should the secret service go man you won't let this go we keep asking you to leave you keep showing up to like high security events are you the guy calling and making these calls and like somehow are you in on this why do you have to be so involved right you're really interested in all the details of this would-be assassination hmm in what world could you like You've been fired, but you show back up at work and you're like, I'm here and it's really important I do the job. And they're like, yeah, go for it. Give him all the information he needs and the tools. I'll tell you, Friday night shift in a busy restaurant. That's oh. when. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> but that's it. That's it, you know. And even that is like. If you've been fired, they might still be like, I don't know, go home. Right, yeah. We, we actually fired you for a really good reason. Right, if they fired you for beating people up the wrong people up and like doing all kinds of crazy shit. Maybe they wouldn't let you back, but who knows? Oh God. And then when he says to his, his team who doubts him, the proof may just be a dead president. Okay. You seem really worked up about this, buddy. Sure. You're doing okay. No, he's not, but he gets his hero moment leaping in front of the president. And of course he's wearing a bulletproof vest, which is smart. John Malkovich basically calls that cheating. Because I guess he assumes that Clint Eastwood has a death wish too, which he should, but he doesn't. Yeah. I mean, all the elements are there for this, these two men to go up against each other really well, but they don't. Right. For Um, one to be like the dark shadow of the other, but they're not. John Malkovich also has this great line. All we have is the game. There you go. I mean, he's in a different movie. He's doing great. I'm, I'm invested in what he's doing. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I did like that that Clint Eastwood made uh, John Malkovich so proud by jumping in front of the bullet. I wonder how much of that he did for him, you know, for himself, but all like to, you know, redo this, this perceived wrong of like not acting when JFK got shot. But I think also to impress Booth, who's like been meant like taunting him, like, would you really give your life for the president? Like, would you really jump in the line of fire? Because it seems like you wouldn't. Like, maybe you're just a coward. And so I feel like a lot of this is like, I'm not a coward, you know? Right. And I just remembered what I was, the other thing I wanted it to be more like in a better movie, this would have been more like the TV show Hannibal, which is about the, you know, two men who are, are, who are the same. I think it's a show about like an expert game of cat and mouse. And that would have been much better in this movie. Oh yeah. Like if it had been, if these men had been playing a better game or if Clint Eastwood had been in the same movie that John Malkovich was in, that moment would have been like a really satisfying moment totally. for both characters. Totally. And it wasn't. I mean, when Malkovich says, I redeemed your pathetic, shitty life. I was like, that's correct. Yeah, he's not wrong. That's correct. Now Clint Eastwood can move on knowing that he is, you know, he is a man's man. Like he is, you know, willing to die for the president or whatever to prove that he's still like vir- virile, like you said. He can still do the job. And then after he can do that, he can quit. Mm-hmm. And then he's proven his point. And then to quit right afterwards, just like, it's kind of lame too. I know. You'd think he'd like come up with better security protocols for the president or something. I don't know. Or just keep serving. I mean, he's an old guy who wants to do this till he dies. It seems like he doesn't seem to have like aspirations of a life outside of this work to me. 
Oh, and then there's like a mirroring moment too near the end of uh, Clint Eastwood grabbing the hand or like offering his hand to Malkovich as Malkovich is dangling from the cliff a la Scar and Mufasa. <laughs> and Malkovich refuses. Yeah, he chooses to just die. Which one do you think is the better man? Malkovich. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just feels right to me that he's a better person. He, you know, he points out he never lied to Clint Eastwood. Like he has his own moral code. He's having fun. And he's not being like a sexist creep to anyone that we see. Sure. Yeah. He's a murderer. Sure. He's here to assassinate the president, but I'm rooting for him overall. And I think it was a really noble move to let him to like drop down and die. I don't know. Noble's the wrong word, but I kind of respected it. Yeah. It was within his own code. No, I, I agree again, except for the scene where he kills the women he's super respectful to them before he does it yeah no he doesn't say anything gross or creepy the way Clint Eastwood does no and it's very very matter of fact it's like I'm sorry but like you know you're gonna have to pay for my mistake exactly and now your roommate is too because she's here what movie was it that we watched where was it drive where the the their supposed hero thinks he's a good man and he's not yeah it was yeah I think there's a little bit of this. I mean, the movie is not intending for this to happen like no. Drive does, but I think there's a little bit of that in this movie too. Clint Eastwood thinking he's the hero and he's not. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, a different movie would also examine, which we've kind of seen in other movies, would also examine though, like what kind of government asks its employees or like Secret Service or CIA agents to commit this much and then doesn't provide for them afterwards well it's like that's like the green the green man when we want right Mm -hmm. and the rock kind of Mm -hmm. i mean our kind of government does that yes (laughs) yes it is but this movie is not interested in having that discussion no it's really not um and then the last voicemail from booth what did you think of the way it ended where like clint eastwood and renee russo are now a couple gross and they go Arf. to his dirty apartment with alcohol bottles everywhere and like unclean dishes. And she says it's a nice place. It's not. The, the latest voicemail, this posthumous voicemail from Malkovich is playing and then they just leave. What do you think of that? Again, I think it was supposed to showcase how like Clint Eastwood had won, how Booth, you know, John Malkovich mm-hmm. thought that he would be like he knew he would be dead, but he thought the president would be too. It's meant to show Clint Eastwood is the hero. Definitive. Yeah, and I think it's also meant to show, like, he doesn't need this anymore, this back and forth. Like, he's he's won, like you said, he made his point, and now he doesn't need to listen to what this guy is saying. Yeah, I think that just made me think, like, what I also could have used from the movie, speaking of the cat and mouse game, was to showcase Clint Eastwood's need for this game. Because Clint yeah. Eastwood just sort of seemed to be, like, a kind of, like, whatever player, and I needed to see him, like, crave it, like an addiction or, like something that he realized his life was missing and it gave him an excitement and totally like what what movie reminds me of that that we've seen because i feel like that's a big thing oh like point break yeah yes exactly i mean again it's men with death wishes or point break or um fast and furious too where you have some kind of government agent falling in love with the person that they're pursuing Yeah, so that's kind of, those are my feelings on this movie. I think I'm done. I'm spent. My boredom has, like, reached its edge. But not too bored where you want to assassinate someone, right? This is true, yeah. I'm not willing to play the game, but I'm willing to walk away from the movie. 
<laughs> Agreed. Um, all right. So out of five trash can fires, how many trash can fires would you get this film run? I actually think I'm going to give it a one and a half. I really didn't like it. It took forever. And the only like redeeming thing about it is John Malkovich and Rene Rousseau. I'm going to give it one and a half. I did not enjoy it. What about you? I agree. I think I'm going to do the same. It's a bad movie and I thought it was boring. And I think it confuses and upsets me that the many people must think this is a good film to have such high, like a, it has like a 90 something on Rotten Tomatoes, I think. And I don't understand it. And it makes me worried about like, this is one of those films where I go, what am I missing? Like, is there something really key here I'm missing? Or was this important for a certain time? Like, are, are there things in this movie that were like new in you know 1992 like like the way we felt about like um predator and uh, and people would say to us like oh well it was really cool at the time and we're like cool i just don't know i this this wasn't for me i think so the only thing that i could think of is maybe that they're showing a man in his 60s as kind of an action star or like the star but i i think that's always been hollywood that's nothing new yeah yeah it didn't feel i don't know yeah i just didn't i didn't get it I think what it is is that a bunch of men in their 60s who were in the film industry and established decided that this like loved this movie for all the reasons that we hate it mm-hmm. and decided that like they were going to uphold this movie as like a standard and anyone who came after them sort of just like bought into this idea that it was good. I think you're right. I think that's totally it. And I think too in our memories like maybe people like years later would just remember the John Malkovich bits which were good. Which, like, if I was only thinking about those parts, I'd go, oh, yeah, that, that was fun. But all the Clint Eastwood parts are so bad to me that I just really yeah. had a bad time watching it. And I think the worst thing that you could say, not the worst thing, but, like, one of the worst things about this movie is that it's boring. It was so boring. When I, like, I would pause every so often and see, like, how, <laughs> how far in am I? Me too. And I was always shocked. Oh, I watched it because I, I knew if I were going to watch it today, day of recording, I was like, this is going to make me feel too anxious. Mm-hmm. So I watched it last night and it was the longest two, <laughs> two and a half hours of my life. I really wanted to text you and be like, oh my God, start early. But yeah, I and you, you gave me a good warning today where I did, I did start early, but man, it was tough. It's tough to get through. Yeah. So overall, we don't recommend this movie. <laughs> Strike it from the list of classic movies. It's yeah, agreed. I don't think it's a good political thriller. I don't think it's a good like action movie. And I think what it says about old white men is really gross and sad. Yeah, I think that's really well said. Yuck. <laughs> yuck. On this movie with the yuck. That's how we felt. Well, next week, we'll be back with Six Underground. Do we know what this movie is about? No. No idea. No idea. This has been on the list for a while. And we just said it's time. So we're, that's what we're doing next. I'm sure you can find it streaming somewhere. So please watch the movie or don't. Either way, we'll be talking about it. And in the meantime, what we would love more than anything else is for you to go on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and a written review. Um, it would mean the world to us and it really helps other people find the podcast. So please do that if you haven't already. If you have already, you can still rate it five stars again. If you'd like to submit a movie recommendation, you can do so at ladiesgetaction at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram at ladiesgetaction. We're sharing all sorts of fun reels, behind the scenes, takeaways. You know, so if you want our hot takeaways from this movie, you can probably guess what, what most of them are, but like follow us there anyway. We'd love to have you. 
Rebecca, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at Rebecca Ringley Casting. And Rin, where can people find you? You can find me at Rin Olson. That's R-I-N-O-L-S-S-O-N or at Renaissance Media. Until next time, get get some some action. action.